Hey friends, welcome to the Weed, Seeds, and Beautiful Things podcast. I'm your host, Connie, and I'm so glad you're here. We have had a ton of amazing guests on the show over the past month and a half, and it's going to keep going. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Stephen Murphy. I met him as well through the amazing podcasters group, Christian Podcasters Association on Facebook. If you are a podcaster or wanting to look into being a podcaster, you should definitely check out that platform, especially if you're faith-based, because it's an amazing place and it gives you amazing hookups like Stephen and I. So Stephen is a fellow podcaster and he has the podcast, The Nook, and he's going to tell us all about that and also discuss with us today his journey about being a Christian and a Christian that suffers from depression. Stephen, it is an honor to have you on the show. I am so glad that you asked. It's wonderful to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you are, and why you do what you do. Oh, that's a big, broad it stroke, is loaded. isn't it? <laughs> um, well, my name is Stephen. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I've got two grown children, two grandchildren, and despite my best efforts, my wife has stayed with me through almost 38 years of marriage. Wow. Um, I've been in video, television, media production for about 36 years, and when podcasting, I don't know, I've, I, I got bit by the bug. Uh, a couple of yeah. years ago, and it is just, I, I love the opportunity to learn something new as well as uh, just, I've met some of the most amazing people uh, through reaching out just like you did to to tell great stories about yeah. how, how God is working in people's lives. I love that. I, I really, really do. So tell us a little bit about how you came to have this story. Um, have you always struggled with depression? I guess I'll just jump right in. Or is this something that's come later in life? Kind of how did that come about? And how did that affect what you're doing right now? Um, I was diagnosed in 2019. But it was okay. to me, it was one of those things of, wow, how long has this been going on? My wife would tell you that it goes back much further than the time of diagnosis. Uh my, I was working with a great counselor at the time who just flat out asked me, do you think you're depressed? And I, you know, she kind of went through the criteria and I checked mm. four of the five boxes and she said, I think this is worth you taking this up a notch, talking to your doctor about it. And so when that kind of becoming my team of uh, really drilling down to see what what was at the core of things and how it how things might be treated moving forward. Um it was not a diagnosis that I was happy about at all. <laughs> um, I think I immediately was concerned of, you know, what are people going to think? Uh, are people yes. going to look at me sideways now, uh, treat me any differently, which was not at all what I wanted. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of slowly came to terms with that, told some very close friends, mostly just to get comfortable with it. And now I, most people that I know, people I work with, um, it's something I talk about openly now. And I think that's mostly because I just don't want anybody to, anybody with anything remotely like my own situation yes. to feel like they're alone in it. Um, there's, there's something wrong with my soup is the way I I love the way that. I yeah. say it. Um, and every everybody's different. Everybody's got their own different chemical makeups and whatnot. And I'm just glad that I've got great doctors, great family, great friend support yes. 
to help me continue to navigate through this. So you talked about your wife saying that it would have been many years before you actually got the formal diagnosis. Was that in part due to, um, I know for me, acceptance of it took a while. Do you think that's what it was for you? Just not being at a point where you were ready to say, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. Well, and it was kind of one of those things where when my, when my counselor first asked me about it, it was, you know, it's like your wife could tell you something over and over and over and I can kind of brush it off. But here is a, here is a counselor with lots of letters after her name, just asking me that question. And suddenly there was a light bulb for me. It's like, wow, that really does make sense. And she's going through the formal, uh, like I said, the checklist of, of what they consider a, a person with depression. And then, uh, having my wife i would never say that she was in a uh told you so kind of a thing but i yeah, think that yeah. she was she was relieved because she was seeing so much of this in me for for years so to to go about it finally formally there was a relief for her yes that makes sense um i i can totally see that and i think that um that that stigma you talk about that fear of being looked at differently really um in my in my mind, it really does kind of make the difference. It bridges that gap between mm-hmm. whether a person with depression can thrive or feels like they're on an island. And if they feel like they're mm-hmm. on an island, it just isn't a conducive environment for them to find, you know, ways to cope and ways to go on um, because it just affects your dignity. And when when something oh, affects our dignity as a human, we want to recoil and retaliate. That's a really good way to put it. Um, and especially with with friends and coworkers, that was really where I was most concerned that I didn't want anybody to feel like they had to look at me any different at all. Um, yeah, and I, I I went to my to my boss, my, the big boss to to tell him, and I I, I said I, I kind of don't even know exactly why. I'm telling you, I just feel like you need to be aware. I I don't have a clue what this might look like moving forward. And I was just, I was so glad because he was just incredibly gracious about it. And thankfully, that's a nothing, blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing has ever come to such a, a need that I am <laughs> cowering in a corner in the fetal position that they find me in or something like that. But yeah. I, I did feel it was important for my leadership to know what was going on with me. If by chance there was ever some kind of a, an off situation that was just not typical for me. Yeah. So tell us about, um, your off days. What does that look like? Um, and how does, how does your faith play into getting through the periods of time where it's harder? No, this I would say this condition and and everything that went into all of what I found out in, it was October of 2019, um, has, has so changed the way I view God, the way that I approach God. Um, I I'm almost embarrassed to say that at the, at the ripe old age of 57, I am just truly finding the richness 
of God the, and, and spending time in the word. And I don't say that to make it sound churchy. It's just changed no, yes. everything about the way I approach things. It's, it's caused me, I, don't, I read a great quote years back and I wish I could remember who said it, but the quote is never despise anything that drives you to the foot of the cross. Mm. And that, you know, I, I would love to have that painted on the wall yeah, because yeah. this is, this is by far one of those things that just made me realize I need Jesus every minute of every day. And I have no fear now telling anybody about Jesus. I have no fear about telling anybody about my, my depression. Um, it's, it, it has changed so much about the way it's changed so much about my relationship with God that I cannot despise it. I, um, I'm, I'm covered in goosebumps and this is the type of thing that this is, this is what my podcast is all about because it's, mm. it's all about, you know, there's so many people that proclaim that when you're following Jesus, somehow things get easier and they get better no. and they, and they get, you know, you get more, whole in this sense of, of togetherness, like things just fit. And, and I, I understand the concept, but I feel like it's wrong. I feel like if you're actually knowing Jesus, then things are going to get harder because you're going to be faced with yourself Mm -hmm. and your depravity and Satan hates it when, when we are following closely after Jesus to know him. And so things just typically following Jesus is that there's a cost to it. And I know uh, two things that that stand out to me is is this is the whole purpose is that life is hard, but God is good. And getting people to have that understanding and hearing it from the horse's mouth, from people like you that actually suffer and that actually are not miraculously and completely healed from whatever is ailing them, but are choosing to use this as a doorway to finding more and deeper relationship with Jesus. And and so what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, your depression is actually a gift. It's, it's hard to wrap my head around that, but I know full well in my heart that that is, that is truth because the last, the last three or four years of just time in the word. I I get up an hour earlier than I used to just so that I can start my morning like that and just dive into scripture, put on some, some beautiful music. And that's, that's my time Mm -hmm. with God every day and how, how that time as simple as it may sound completely changes the way that I approach my day. Does that mean that every day is perfect? Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. To start with the right framework, to be realigned every morning, um, I I cannot put a price tag. And I have to travel fairly Mm. frequently. So if I end up, you know, having to be at the airport at six o'clock in the morning and I can't have Mm -hmm. that routine, it throws me off a little bit. Yeah. It's become Mm -hmm. such a beautiful habit uh, that... I can't wait for it to, you know, to, to get back on track with mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's such a routine that uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful that this condition sent me there. I just, yes. I am. And that may sound weird to somebody. I, I love what you said. I, I think that, I think we do a watching world, a terrible disservice 
when we portray our faith in Christ as some sort of magic pill. Yes. Uh, that now our things rescue are, system. Are, yeah, puppy dogs and unicorns and every day is just awesome. No, I we go through the same garbage. But over I, and over and I will over again. I will take my life with Jesus in that garbage than my life yeah. without him. Yeah, it, it's and it's not just some odd coping mechanism. It's it's, it's real. Beauty. Yeah, it will. Yeah. And it's the beauty of hope. And it's not yes. a hope that says, I hope this stand, you know, that something good happens. It's a it's a hope that I know my God. It's yes. a hope that I, I that. know that my, you know, it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego kind of a thing. It's like, I know God's going to save me. And even if he, if he doesn't, doesn't, I will still yes. praise him. That yes. That's, uh, now I'm fighting the goosebumps. I, and I'm covered the, in them. What a powerful, the, the, this is, this is, yes, we want people to, to know that there is a purpose in pain and that the pain doesn't have to stop in order for God to be good or in order for you to be able to believe that God is good. And that's what mm-hmm. hope is, is knowing that circumstances don't depict his goodness. He's just no. good. That's all. He's just period. Good. Yes. yes. And you don't have to explain it. That has been one of the biggest, most monumental things to me in my uh, experience with depression, which really like yours, it, I had it for many years, but I couldn't admit it. And mm. it was because of that shame factor. It was because depression is ugly. Now anxiety, everybody wants anxiety. I have anxiety, blah, 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 but nobody wants depression because it's this, you, you get this picture in your mind of somebody lazy and unmotivated and can't pull themselves up by the short hairs and which isn't true. That's not like, that's not what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I lost my son, so your, your diagnosis came in 2019. Well, I lost my son, my twin son in October of 2018. And it mm-hmm. was from that point, that crushing blow that it was like, I couldn't recover and I couldn't pretend anymore that I wasn't really depressed. Mm. and it was the most painful thing and I still couldn't tell you why my son died like why he needed to die but I have absolute peace in knowing that the Lord's ways are higher than my ways and his plans are above my plans and so there's a whole realm of of existence that I simply cannot understand but it has no effect or bearing on the goodness of God and I don't have to explain it in ways that make human rational sense in order to know that God is good and that my depression, my continual struggle with mental health is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. It does exactly for me what it does for you. It keeps me at the cross. Yeah. Well, and imagine, if you will, what you had to deal with in the loss of your son without Jesus. I, I, know. I There's just, I can't there's fathom just it. things I that I've experienced that I mm-hmm. just cannot imagine how i would have weathered any of it it's that truly is i, I don't know I, I i feel like i've got the greater on the greatest understanding that i ever have about that peace that passes understanding what like yes. you just said to anybody this may make no sense to you but i'm telling yes. you there is a peace within me that i hope is coming out of me uh, when yes. when somebody else needs it, but 
there's no way I, I lack <laughs> the proper words to ever explain yes. it to someone what that peace and wholeness means, even when it looks like everything else is is falling down. Exactly. And I think this um, definition of healing of ours is so short sighted. I remember I remember sitting in a doctor's office with my newborn baby daughter. And it was, you know, about a month after my son had died and we finally got Mm. to take her home. And I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting to take her back for her appointment. And I just was overcome with sorrow and grief that I had been holding back. And I just was in my mind, I was praying and I said, you were supposed to protect me. Mm. You didn't protect me. And he spoke to me so clearly in my spirit. And this is what he said. He said, Connie Joy, because that's my name. (laughs) I did protect you. Your view of protection is not my view of Mm. protection. He said, your view of protection means comfort and giving you everything that you think you need. But my view of protection is doing anything and everything that brings you to a place where you become the woman that I intended you to be. And it was like, it made sense. It was that light switch moment. And I think of healing and I think of our cheap version of healing. I just want it to be better. Right. That's it. That's what we want. We want it to be better. And I get it. I want that too. I don't want to suffer. I go back and forth. I, you know, I want things to work right in my mind and I want to be able to blah, blah, blah. But Jesus's version of healing is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's allowing us to access parts of him and have an understanding of, of the real and true deep spiritual gifts that we can have with him that we can't access by just being better. Right. Well, and and you you saying that brings to mind how I've I've heard too many people in the church that will you know, even pastors that will say things like. You just need to pray more. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Did not think of that. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, uh, I'll continue to say there is no magic pill. There's, mm-hmm. there's just not. Um, I, I am on medication and I'm, I'm Same. grateful because that has, that has helped me stay on an even keel. Yes. And like I'm working with with a great psychiatrist now who is just she's so good at monitoring all that within me and just, you know, that she's asking the right questions when I have appointments Mm -hmm. with her. And I just I feel like I'm well taken care of. Those are all gifts as well. Yes, they are. They Um, are. Because I don't. Because there are plenty of people that take advantage of people with um, different mental issues. So to mm-hmm. find someone again, that, that sees you as a person, which is another thing I love when you talk, you very clearly differentiate yourself from the disease of depression. It's not, I, you know, I'm depressed. No. It's, it's something I struggle with. And that for me, for over many years was very hard to not let the diagnosis merge into who I was but to keep them separate, which it's very important to do that. Oh yeah. Because I never, I think that goes back to my, my worry about what people were going to think or say, because I just, I never wanted this to define me. I don't want to be Steven. Oh yeah. He's that depressed guy. 
I yes. would rather it be, did you know he deals with depression and have somebody that doesn't know me well go, what? Yeah. That's, wow. Mm-hmm. I would have never pegged him as somebody who's dealing with depression. That to me is part of the victory. Yes. That I don't yes. have to walk around wearing sackcloth and ash every day. Uh, with my, I love with, that. With my head. I love that. And, and I, I, I don't because Jesus keeps me going absolutely every day. Yes. Yes. And oh, Jesus oh. uses people with depression that is not gone. Like your right. depression isn't gone. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be removed in order for the Lord to use you. It's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. And I think more people can resonate with the fact that the struggle stays, mm-hmm. but the person still has things to offer despite the struggle, despite the continued struggle. So um, this is by far one of the best episodes I've ever aired. Um, I'm totally in awe of just what the Lord has done in these 24 minutes, but mm. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, what the topic is. And um, I know you had said that you got started just because podcasting was a thing and everybody Mm -hmm. was doing it. But tell us a little bit about like why you're podcasting, why you chose the the name you did and what you're doing on your show, as well as where can we find you? Mm. Well, it's so funny how it really ties into everything that we just talked about in that I'm sitting in the nook. This is a wonderful (laughs) little notch in the basement of my house. And this has become that spot where I spend every morning. This is where I meet with God. And as I was formulating what to do with this podcast, uh, the first thing that came to me is that very much like yourself, I want to tell stories of people who have, uh, who've been through some stuff, the the real stories from mm. real people that aren't just blessed and highly favored. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I love that. Somebody who has scars, somebody yeah. who walks with a limp. Those are the stories that I've always wanted to tell. And it goes back to that. That has been kind of one of my North stars is that we do a watching world, a terrible disservice when our faith is portrayed as perfection, because it's just not. Mm. And I have talked to amazing people with amazing stories. Uh, I tend to do things in series. Well, in the now, back when I first started, it was so scattergun. Who could I get mm-hmm. on? My, who could I get on my show? Um, but now I will do things in four, five, six week type series. Um, I I did a series last year on depression, which was uh, became quite a challenge. And and how you had first reached out to me with that episode that I had sent you. Um, yes, that happened right in the middle of my series on depression. So there was a <laughs> an interesting irony to that. And I even had friends asking me if I if they if I thought that me doing research and and talking to people with such different aspects of depression, if that could have sparked it. And I said, I don't know how to measure that, but it it very well could have been. Yeah. Of the and I want to insert here that that episode I'm going to share. Uh, I'm going to do our episode audience, and then I'm going to share the special episode that you're letting me share. And I want to say that um, when I listened to it, it it, it made me cry, um, not mm-hmm. because I felt bad for you, but because I so identified with you and because I wanted to be like you. 
I mm. wanted, it was hearing you talk about your struggle with depression in the middle of it. Um, I have a lot of trauma and a lot of people that weren't supportive. So there's for me a lot of fear, um, mm. but hearing you do that, um, it was just like the Lord was saying, there's no shame. I don't view you with shame and yes. I've given you your story to share and your story is meant to help people and your story is hard. And yes. it was just like you were encouraging me. And I know I sent you a, a message and told you how much I loved it, but I did not really, um, cause of course we hadn't met and I don't want to scare you off and everything, but it was, <laughs> it was super meaningful to me as a person that struggles with mental health and that struggles with the dignity aspect of it and the continued trying to shed off the shame. I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Weed, Seeds, and Beautiful Things podcast. It comes out every Friday and Mondays on YouTube, and it's on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Weed, Seeds, and Beautiful Things. And if you are interested in having me speak at your next engagement, you can send speaking email inquiries to Can't Get Me Down with Your Brown, all lowercase, at gmail.com. And I have some big things in the works coming up over the next few weeks and months, and I know you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to tune in to the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast every Friday and Mondays on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Have a good rest of your week.